Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is May 29th, 2022. Welcome to a special edition of Canadian Common Sense, an interview special. So you heard Lewis and I tease out on the show this morning that I am in Regina, Saskatchewan today for a policy convention for the Buffalo Party of Saskatchewan. And now I know there's going to be a few of you saying, what the hell is a Buffalo Party of Saskatchewan? Well, I decided that it was time for an interview with the leader of the Buffalo Party of Saskatchewan. Uh, he's newly elected only a couple of months ago. And let's meet him today. He's uh, Phil Zajac. Phil, welcome to Canadian Common Sense. Hey, Tony, thanks for having me on the show today. Great to have you. So uh, let's find out a little bit about you. Uh, are you where are you from? Um, what do you do before politics? Well, I grew up in Regina. I went to Sheldon and uh, then I went to university in the States and uh, played football there and uh, took a uh, I got a bachelor's degree in sociology. I uh, took a bunch of government classes, uh, you know, Western political thought, civil liberties, constitutional law. Uh, that was when I kind of started my interest a little bit in politics, but I just really enjoyed those classes. And um, then uh, my career has been a little uh, unique, I would say. I've uh, uh, worked in the uh, oil field. I have had a job on a farm. I've worked at John Deere. Uh, I'm currently a, a mortgage specialist for a major bank. Well, excellent. So there's really no uh, no career politician in your background, from what I'm hearing. I know you're, I have uh, never been a politician before, and um, I'm just a, I, I consider myself somebody who cares about uh, the people of Saskatchewan, and and I think that I've got some really good ideas about how we can uh, make Saskatchewan the number one place to live in Canada. Okay. So uh, well, let's let's get into that. So you're really just a regular guy who's decided it's time to make a difference, and that's honestly what I think a lot of politicians start out as and then they become corrupted by the machine. So um, instead of getting involved in the machine, you've decided to join a new party. Now, um, that party was Buffalo, and at the time you joined, it was still Wexit, Saskatchewan, which sort of morphed into Buffalo Party. So how about maybe you take us through the progression from Wexit, Saskatchewan into Buffalo? Well, the, the, the difference uh, between Wexit and Buffalo is, it's pretty simple. Uh, Wexit was 100% uh, committed to exiting Canada. And Buffalo Party, that is not our mantra at all. Uh, our mantra is to get a, a fair deal, the same as Quebec has, or a better deal than what Quebec has. And it's all negotiated, and that's something that the Buffalo Party number one goal is. Now, if it is the will of the people at some point, if we are not able to get a deal from, from the East, which uh, you need to be strong enough personality that you can get that done, um, we put it to the Saskatchewan people. If the Saskatchewan people want us to bring forward a referendum, then that's what we would do because our job, which a lot of career politicians have forgotten, is we work for the people of Saskatchewan. They don't work for us. So this is not going to be a top-down decision. This would be a decision that's made by the people of Saskatchewan. Okay, and just as an editor's note for our, our listeners out there, um, there are strong leaders in smaller provinces who are able to get things done, and we ref can reference Peter Lougheed, who in the Constitution uh, repatriation talks in 1982 insisted on uh, natural resources being included in provincial domain and not federal domain, um, which Pierre Trudeau did not want, but ended up uh, having acquiesced to Lougheed's demands. So there is a precedent set here, just uh, so you all know Canada, so now um, the name Buffalo, I hear a lot about what's the name Buffalo all about. Is there a historical significance to that name? Yeah, uh, the cool thing about Buffalo was uh, early on in Canada's history, uh, the Northwest Territories, Alberta and Saskatchewan were going to be called the Buffalo Provinces. Uh, Sir Wilfrid Laurier, way back then as an East Coast, uh, Eastern politician, understood that if we had that large of a block 
of territory and and citizens, uh, we would be an equitable force that would be able to easily deal with the East. So he was the one who kind of forced the breakup of the Buffalo territory and forced it into three separate territories. So um, one of the reasons was was that we thought that uh, the buffalo is a proud Saskatchewan uh, type of an animal. Um, it's strong in its in its look and appearance, and it's strong-willed. Um, if you want a buffalo to go somewhere and uh, he doesn't want to go there, well, guess what? You're not moving that buffalo. And uh, so, uh, in terms of just uh, potential for marketing and for uh, a, a great image for a party, we thought buffalo was perfect. Okay, excellent. Now, when was the Buffalo Party officially formed and, and named into Buffalo? Uh, okay, so the actual date was in April of 2019, I believe, was the actual uh, switch. It, it was uh, proposed then, and then it was voted on by the members. Uh, I believe it was in June. And so once it was voted on by the members, that this was the new name that was moving forward, I was registered with Collections Saskatchewan. Okay, so that's just over a year after that, you ran into the very first election campaign in Saskatchewan, provincial election was in the fall of 2020. 2020, yeah. And um, <laughs> to our listeners, just as a side note, uh, many listeners know I, I ran in that, that election, not with Buffalo Party, with a different party, so I've, I've switched colors. Um, but the, So with a brand new party, with no leader, and not really a lot of profile, how did you do in the election? Um, I, well, I didn't win, which was disappointing, but I did very well in terms of uh, uh, achievement. I, I got just under 26% of the vote. Uh, the, um, we only had three months to prepare for the election. And actually, the name was actually registered three or four months before the election. So it was actually 2020 uh, was when we actually switched the name over to. So we had a really small window to prepare for this uh, for the last election. And as a party, we finished third overall, uh, only running 17 candidates. So uh, we, we did amazing in terms of political history. Uh, the Buffalo Party will go down as probably one of the best uh, ever to run in Canada on a first election. Yeah, and, that, and that's really where I wanted to go. It's a, an amazing success story. You had three months from a name change to preparing for a, a general election. You only ran 17 candidates out of 61 constituencies. And there was yours. Yours was not the only second place finish. I mean, you you were in the riding of Estevan, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you were a second place finish, and there was also was there two or three others who finished second in the riding. Uh, we had three other ones: uh, Cannington and um, uh, just right around uh, that Swift Current area was another one, and Weyburn. We finished second in all of those. So real strong showing in the southeast corner. Yeah. So that's that's amazing when you consider you only had 17 candidates province wide. You had no name recognition. You had barely any money, and yet you're right. I mean, historically, that's got to that's that's got to be right up there with uh, quite amazing success stories. So yeah, it was it was uh, uh, you know what it's accomplished a lot on a small budget and just hard work by a lot of the candidates. All right, now um, let's just be be blunt here. How much are you being paid as a leader? Well, there's no pay for me as a leader right now, and uh, I think that's a misconception that. A lot of people out there have, uh, you know, none of us are professional politicians. Uh, we, we haven't come from a, a silver spoon uh, political family and uh, I'm doing this just because I care about the province and, and I care about the people, especially the, you know, when I look at the people in my community, um, you know, we need someone to be their voice and that's what politicians are supposed to do. And uh, as I recruit candidates, you know, for the rest of the province, um, that's going to be the number one concern 
that they should be bringing forward is that they will actually represent their community. Yeah, and the reason I asked that question, of course, I knew the answer, but um, there is a misconception out there that that politicians are are paid at every level, whether in government, opposition, or otherwise. And you've got a whole volunteer board of directors. Yourself, you're a volunteer. There's a, is there any paid staff at all with Buffalo? We have zero paid staff. Everybody's a volunteer, and uh, that's the other unique thing about us is we are like a big family, and everybody cares. And uh, so, you, you know, as as the group grows and you put like-minded people in a room together. They start to come up with some amazing ideas and that's what we accomplished here at the policy and governance convention this weekend yeah now speaking of said policy and governance convention now that uh, there are some policies to go on um why don't we talk a little bit about what buffalo stands for now you carried a platform into the 2020 election so we probably should springboard off of that now um would buffalo be considered to be on the right side of the spectrum or the left side of the spectrum well we're a right side uh party uh, and we're a libertarian party so uh, we believe in the individual's rights to make their own decisions, and that, and, and again, at some point, government has uh, felt that they are the only ones that can under, can make good decisions for the people of this province, uh, where we believe that the people of the province can make good decisions for themselves. So uh, we are a party that will um, encourage uh, individual rights, and that we will uh, support, um, you know, a wide range of programs, you know, in the province. Uh, everything from reducing taxes to uh, uh, emboldening our economy. All right, now I think one label that was attached to you during the the election, because it was a COVID election, and yours was the only party at that time that was against vaccine mandates and against lockdowns and against many of the emergency measures that the, uh, the Scott Moe government took, which he was more than happy to continue on through the election. Now, um, was that just a perception, or was or was it a, the party officially against some of these mandates? Well, it was uh, not a member voted on um, uh, policy at that point, but it was a policy that the party decided to advance. And so essentially what our policy is, is we would never mask mandate anybody. Uh, we would never shut any business down, and we would never uh, force vaccination on any human being. Uh, again, the thought that the government understands what's best for people, um, it, it's, it's not a responsible way to be a government. And if people want to get a vaccine, it's 100% up to them. They are more than happy to get them. We, it, we would not legislate that. If you don't want to get a vaccine, it's your body. You choose to not get the vaccine. That's totally up to you. Uh, as far as closing businesses down, I, I uh, said this in the last debate, uh, the final debate before the last elections. I said that... Uh, I, I warned everybody, I said that I, I'm telling you that the Sash party is going to shut businesses down and go to a mask mandate. And it was literally 10 days after the election that uh, Scott Noll and the Sash party shut everybody down, closed businesses, and started the decimation of the economy of Saskatchewan. Yeah, and that's actually exactly what happened, was, uh, was the lockdowns were literally right after the election campaign. So um, now is it is it a policy going forward that Buffalo Party would not uh, enter into lockdowns after this I weekend? Would never, we would never uh, mandate any businesses to shut down. Um, the, this, is, this, is the, this is the fact of, of life in a free society. Um, people who have worked maybe their entire lives to build a family business or a small or a large business, uh, if the provincial government thinks that they can come in and tell someone that they can have to stop their way of making a living and supporting their families, they're overstepping their reach. Um, how, how if, if, if a politician had to live under the same guidelines, okay, as long as this 
pandemic is going on, you get no income, zero dollars. Um, they would never have lasted this long because guess what? When you have zero income, you can't pay your mortgage, you can't pay your power bill, you can't pay your phone bill. And how do they expect these people to survive? There's no con. We talk about this is great. This shows common sense. We call ourselves the common sense party. Common sense tells you it's impossible. So I would say at the same point, if I would have been in the legislature, I would say here, this is the mandate that you want to bring down and you want to close businesses. You close your payoff for the exact same amount of time. And I guarantee you that these mandates would have been dropped away faster had that happened. Oh, absolutely. would have. Now, um, I know different country, but um, if we've looked to Florida, would you would you look at, the, at Florida as being more of a model for pandemic relief or how they handle the pandemic, I should say? Well, I think it's there's a couple states in the U.S. who proved this. South Dakota uh, really had no mask mandates, didn't have any vaccination policy and very, very low numbers. Uh, the same with Florida. You know, the, the uh, again, the, the human beings rights to make a good decision. Uh, you, you have to have faith in human beings as a society. I said the same thing when I spoke on the legislature uh, right before the election. I, I said, remember folks, two years ago, um, if I had a cold and a 104 degree fever and had a bad cough and it was Christmas day, would I go to my 70 or 80 year old parents' house? Of course not, because I don't want them to get sick. Do I need the provincial government to tell me that if I have a 104 degree fever, I shouldn't go and visit people? No, nobody does. So at some point, Politicians have become uh, in a position where they feel like they are the only ones that can make a decision for everybody in the province, and it's the other way around. It's the people of the province that should be guiding the decisions of the politicians. Yep, absolutely right. So um, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, you, you are an admirer of Christine Ohm or perhaps Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> Excellent. And um, yeah, I, mean, I certainly appreciate the freedom end of it as, as well. I mean, I've I've spent my whole life thinking the government really shouldn't be telling me what I have to do all the time. So I'm definitely with you on that one. So let's get more of the nuts and bolts, uh, the kitchen table issues, every day-to-day -day life of uh, people in Saskatchewan or, or Canada at large for that matter. Now, where did the Buffalo Party sit on such issues as taxation? I mean, we, uh, we blow more than half of our income on taxes. Right now, 57% of Canadians don't know if they can afford to pay their bills. So if we can extend that number to Saskatchewan and say half of us can't pay our bills here, what can Buffalo do to, to help the tax load? Well, number one, and, and we've already asked this, is uh, to suspend the carbon tax. Uh, everybody's, you know, the carbon tax touches everybody in every part of their lives. Um, and, and if we are able to suspend the carbon tax for, you know, uh, three, six months, uh, just to give every it, it, it will give every single person a financial break um, that's one of the quick things that they can do uh, in terms of what can we do otherwise in terms of uh, giving the sask party ideas uh, but what <laughs> we want to do we, we see they're cannibalizing all of our ideas and we've got some fantastic ideas that have been passed here at our policy convention um, those will eventually get made public but uh, what the sask party tends to do right now and and we've been getting some media traction on this is that even though we had 2.56% of the vote, uh, we are running the government for, this, for the province of Saskatchewan because the Sask Party is actually taking our policy ideas and implementing them as their own, uh, again with the Provincial Police Department. Um, and when you talk about tax deductions, uh, I'm, a, I'm a true believer in trickle-down economics. Uh, you put the money back in the citizens' pockets and put money back in the, in the company's pockets and the corporation's pockets. It stimulates the economy. 
And what that does is uh, everybody now, uh, you know, you have an extra $100 a month, you can buy more groceries, you can buy diapers, you can buy shoes. It gives you, it's not a ton of money, but it does give you more money. And as that money is pushed back in the economy, it grows your uh, business base and it gets it gets you out of a recession. Um, it's just, it's, it's, and I love Ronald Reagan economics. It just, it works. So. Yep. Absolutely, it does. And uh, when you talk about taxes and the South Party cannibalizing some of uh, Buffalo's ideas, um, one idea I'm guessing you're not going to cannibalize from the Saskatchewan Party is they made a decision actually to raise taxes uh, as far as provincial sales tax is concerned. Um, what are your thoughts on that one? Um, what that tells me is that when you look at the room, right, the ministers and people that are involved in the South Party, they've run out of ideas. They have no way, they have no ideas about how to generate any more income for the province other than to raise taxes. And they look around at what can we tax. They tax everything now. Uh, children's clothing used to be exempt from PST. That is gone. Uh, now they're going to tax your gym membership. Well, they don't want, the healthcare costs are getting out of hand because, uh, you know, people are out of shape and things like this. But now we're going to tax you to go to the gym. Uh, they already added the tax on used cars, which which is redundant uh, you know a single vehicle could have tax paid on it seven times yeah um, now let's actually let, let's stop and repeat repeat that one for the listeners here so if i if i bought a used car in saskatchewan and then i decide that i'm trading that car in on on a newer used car i have already paid pst on my used car i pay pst again on the next used car that i buy you come along and buy my former used car you pay pst on that same car that i've already paid pst on correct and then if the parameters are correct depending on the age and the, and the make of the car and the value. I sell that car to the guy down the street for me three months later just because I get a company car. I already don't need it anymore. He pays PST on it as well. Amazing. Like, yes, it just goes on and on. And it's just the, it's, 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 it's a tax on a tax on a tax. And, and when you start taxing taxes, it's illegal. So we would do away with the, um, you know, you pay, pay, pay tax on a car one time. Yeah, well, that's an incredible racket. If, uh, especially with a used vehicle, if it's, in that, like you say, the right parameters, it could flip three or four times. So uh, the government's making a killing off that kind of that kind of a transaction. But again, that hurts. You know, who does that hurt? That hurts used car businesses, right? Now they, uh, you know, on, on those used cars, they have to charge PST again, you know, as well as GST. Uh, whereas if the PST has been paid on a car, you don't have to keep paying it, right? So it's it's it, it's just a punitive tax, and it hurts again small businesses in Saskatchewan. Okay, so now we talked about carbon tax a little bit earlier, and the Scott Moe and the Saskatchewan government have been trying to promote the carbon capture and storage, which is big in your area, Estevan. There's a very large power plant down there. Is there is there more that we could do to alleviate our carbon footprint without having to charge money and making people pay for it? Well, everybody knows Saskatchewan's essentially a carbon neutral province to start with. Uh, we grow a ton of stuff, and what people forget is that we need CO two in the air to survive. Um, I've been very fortunate to uh, listen to the uh, speaker at uh, the Center of the Arts who actually founded Greenpeace and, and uh, he, you know, he's got a PhD in um, environmental uh, sciences. He's brilliant and he said that, yeah, okay, the, the planet is warmer if you look at over the last 50 years. But he goes, the planet's been around for a long time and it's gone through periods of being very warm where there was no polar caps to times when it was very cold where there was an ice age. And he said, there will be another ice age that comes. We don't know when, but he said, the planet is gonna change temperatures from time to time. And 
the, the sale portion of this, of what the world is trying to do, is they're just trying to ma manipulate the uh, federal government of Canada, which they're doing very well, uh, and trying to make all the wealthy countries poor. Uh, the United Nations' uh, sole goal is not concerned about the world and how the world's going to be. They want to take wealthy countries, redistribute our wealth, and make us poor. Uh, do, do we want to be following the Paris Accord? Why? Uh, why, would, why would we close our small, again, these are not huge businesses, but our mines, our power plants in Saskatchewan, to go and follow the rules of the Paris Accord which no one else in the world is following. Uh, China's building 20 new mega mines a year with no carbon capture facilities. They built a national railroad that all it does is haul coal. They had to start doing their own coal because they used to buy it from North Korea by the, by the mega boatload, but the sanctions uh, shut that down. So, so China, all these countries, the US is still operating coal-fired power plants. Um, but of course, why would we follow Ottawa's rule to shut ours down and kill these small towns in Saskatchewan. It makes no sense. And again, we're on the Common Sense Show. Common Sense says, hey, let's make Saskatchewan strong. Not Let's let's not weaken its economy and hurt its citizens. Yeah, and then um, on, on our full show this morning, Lewis and I were actually talking about the Alberta Court of Appeal has overturned Bill C-69 to be unconstitutional. So I mean, pipelines hypothetically could be okay again. Um, We've opined on the show several times that Ottawa seems to have a vendetta against Western Canada. Um, a, would you agree with that? And B, how do you fight it? Well, I think we see it time and time again. Uh, it, and it's even simply in the, beyond the politics of it, even in the news articles that are written in the East, like Globe and Mail and National Post and these places, uh, it's almost like they feel like we're second-class citizens, somewhat, I would say. And... Um, they're above what we do, and uh, we should just be happy that uh, that they let us be a part of what they're telling us to do. Uh, the the policies, everything that happens in Ottawa comes after us. Uh, the carbon tax is a direct attack against farming and oil and gas. Uh, farmers that I've talked to this year, 25% uh, of their cop, crops are, you know, if they're in 25%, they've already spent 100% of what they spent on their entire crop last year, just getting 25% into the ground because of the fuel costs and carbon carbon taxes, right? And um, so again, this is how do I take the wealth away from these wealthy farmers in Saskatchewan and move it somewhere else? That's how they're that's how they're putting the squeeze on it. Uh, the carbon tax again, uh, fuel for trucking companies. Uh, you know, we're, we're <laughs> people don't see it, but we're ten we're at ten dollars a gallon for fuel. If 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 $10 a gallon for fuel. It's amazing. And we have our own oil. We should be as, as wealthy as Saudi Arabia. We have just as much oil as Saudi Arabia. We just need to get out of our own way and let Canada uh, use its resources and, and grains and products and sell them around the world. And, and like I said, we, we're going to turn Saskatchewan into the uh, Saudi Arabia economy of, of Canada. And, and everyone's going to want to live here. Hey, how do we do that? easy uh, what we do is we go to the people who um, are established in our businesses and in our communities and listen to what they have to say um, that's the other thing that the, the governments have forgotten is that the people who built this country um, business business owners uh, you, you know everyone from your teachers your your uh, you know your, your farmers whoever 
they build this country, they know what to do. So go to those people and say, okay, um, you know, uh, Epping Energy, all these companies, how much oil can you drill? Where can you drill it? How can we upgrade it? How can we sell it for more money? And guess what? You get those five, 10 guys in a room and they'll tell us exactly how to do it, right? So then we go and put a plan forward and we start to uh, enable those companies to be successful. We eliminate red tape, eliminate permitting, you go to one application, one decision, not one application, five different divisions. Um, it sits in committees for two years and then companies just say, well, we don't even want to do it anymore because the, the economy's changed, right? Uh, we want to let people do what they can do. And then it's the same thing. Our agricultural products, what's the job of the government is to secure as many places around the world to sell our products, period. That's our job. Uh, you guys do what you do. You grow the, you know, you grow the grains, you grow the flax, you grow the products. And we're going to find you more places to sell your products to make you more successful. And um, so, so what ha what happens is then you, you take care of taxation, you get taxation under control, you get you open up the doors for business so they can really uh, excel in the province. And uh, guess what? Everything starts to flourish, uh, and people want to be in Saskatchewan just because this is the place to be. No, understood. And. Uh... Hey, I've been here 18 years. I believe this is the place to be. Yep. So uh, when were you officially elected leader of the Buffalo Party? Um, well, it was just after, so we had, uh, I guess it was March. Um, we had our AGM and it was announced at the AGM uh, within the guidelines of the Constitution that was passed. Um, the uh, leadership uh, had to be completed within six months of the announcement and the AGM. And uh, so... It's it and, and it's it you know lots of people say oh I want to be the leader I want to be the leader but it's a lot of work uh, to be just to get to be in the running to be the leader and uh, you know you have to just like anything in politics you have to get your signatures and you have to uh, travel around and and uh, you know the leadership selection com committee didn't make it easy because uh, you know if it's a matter of getting a hundred signatures well, I get a hundred signatures in Estevan in a day uh, but it had to be from six different constituencies. So I had to physically travel around and uh, go to the different uh, different areas of Saskatchewan and get my signatures. So, um, you know, it's 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 nice. And that's what I like about politics. I met a lot of really good people and uh, and, you know, politics does that right. You get to meet people who care and and uh, and they're willing to put their name forward to help you become leader. Well, that's excellent. And since becoming leader, you've had just uh, almost three months, I guess, in the chair now. Yeah. And now you've really been putting on the miles. And uh, what kind of response are you getting as you travel around Saskatchewan? Everything is really uh, positive. I think that um, it, it's it's been well known for a long time that there just hasn't been a third party alternative in Saskatchewan. Uh, you know, it's it's essentially a SAS party or NDP. Um, we have to remember that the SAS party is not a conservative party. Uh, they were formed out of liberals and uh, some conservatives, but uh, what we see in their actions right now is they're acting very much like a friend of the Liberal Party and, and, and that uh, mantra of they're a conservative-based party is not existent anymore. The, the uh, fact that they ran a candidate in the last provincial election who had lost uh, in their federal district as a Liberal candidate, well, you can't, you can't call a Liberal candidate not a Liberal because <laughs> they are. It just, it's a fact and simply be running them under the SAS party doesn't convert them into a conservative. They're not. Uh, so when that mindset is in the room, um, you have to 
realize that you're going to be dealing with you know a liberal based ideology and mentality yeah well i think we saw that during the last saskatchewan party leadership race as well i mean one of the uh the front-running candidates had a membership in the federal liberal party and was surprised that it became an issue (laughs) (laughs) again you shake your head and and but people forgot this is not a Bradwall government anymore. I, I like Bradwall. Uh, he he uh, again, you know, believed in what he did. And Bradwall, if he made a mistake, he was okay saying, "Hey, we made a mistake." Right? He he had no problem doing that. Um, the intolerance that we're seeing out of the provincial government right now—that uh, you know, when Harpenauer was uh, questioned by the uh, Wheat Commission about some of the numbers that they put forward, she was like insulted. She's like, "You're questioning what I've said," and the guy said, well, that's kind of our job <laughs> is to question you, right? That's, you know, and, and uh, they, it's amazing the, um, the mentality that these politicians have right now that, uh, that their word is gospel, that they know all, and that the, the citizens of Saskatchewan are just, um, you know, we're, we're little voids walking around who can't even decide if we should wear shoes or boots. So how do you stop that entitlement attitude from our politicians who believe that they're entitled to your vote, but then they're, you know, entitled not to hear your opinions? Well, the Buffalo Party passed a couple of really good resolutions. Uh, One of them is a recall process. Uh, If a constituency feels that they're not being represented properly by their politician, uh, they're able to start a recall process. That doesn't exist right now. Uh, So, for an example, um, Nadine Wilson, uh, who once she... Uh, decided to leave the Sask Party, has not attended a vote since uh, that happened, and uh, obviously is not reflecting the values and the concerns of her uh, citizens because she's not voting on policy. Rather, you know, one vote matters, right? And she can at least voice an opinion and speak about how the people from her community feel. Uh, now, if, once that bill would be passed, we they her, that community could start a recall process. Um, they don't have that right now. The other thing that I think that is an important uh, policy that the Buffalo Party has is term limits. Uh, there's going to be term limits set on how long you can actually be a member uh, or be premier. And what that ends is the 20-year entitled politician. Uh, they get into politics, they learn how to operate within the system, and then they learn how to manipulate the system, and then they forget who they're working for. And we're seeing that every day right now, whether it's federal government or provincial government, they've forgotten who the people are that pay their paycheck. Uh, it's not them, and it's not a business, it's us. We're the ones that pay the paycheck. And uh, that's something that uh, we, with us being in business and, and uh, you know, not politicians, uh, we understand the value of a paycheck and, and um, they don't. So, so that's the thing that we need to change too, is you put term limits on, uh, you don't have 20-year politicians anymore. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great service and it's a life change, but you run out of ideas. And that's the other problem we're seeing in the SAS party right now. Yeah, that part I'll agree with you on for sure. And uh, w- one thing with term limits is that now if you've done your two terms, three terms, whatever the limit is, you have to live under the policies that you've enacted into law. So, yeah, I'm all for that. So, um, so just as an exit question here, when uh, you're heading out now, you now have policies that have been voted on, ratified by members. So as you head out and do the media tour going forward and uh, hopefully over the next two years before the next election, um, what kind of message are you going to bring now? Well, uh, you know, it's a, it's a message of change and it's a message of common sense. 
uh, we, we say this all the time, you know, with the board and with the party, uh, politics doesn't need to be difficult. Politics is just common sense, and it's, it's as simple as this. If you want to go to the movies with your kid, and the movie costs $20, and you only have 10 you can't go to the movies, no matter how much you want to. And that's how simple politics is. If, if a highway costs, you know, $3 million to repair it, and you only have $1 million, you can't repair it. As much as you'd like to, you just can't do it. And that's where governments have gotten out of control as well. Uh, they don't live within their means, but they want us to live within our means. And uh, as they keep taking more and more money out of our pockets with different ways of taxing us, it's harder and harder, like you were saying, for people to survive and just live from paycheck to paycheck now. Uh, I think that, that the other part that I'm going to be doing on the road is uh, we're going to start to be growing our constituency associations. We're going to put on an early candidate call. We're not going to wait uh, till the very uh, end, right when the elections drop. Uh, we want to uh, start to build that team uh, within the province as quickly as we can. And I think that as we grow, uh, we're, I know every, every day uh, the SAS party has some conversation about what the Buffalo party is doing. Uh, it's going to get worse and worse. And I think uh, the way I describe us is we've been climbing this mountain. You know, we climbed the mountain of getting an elected board. We climbed the mountain of completing a constitution. We climbed the mountain of having the first AGM. We climbed the mountain of getting the first elected leader. You know, as we're going up the, up the peak, um, got the first elected leader. We caught to the top of the mountain with the policy and governance convention, which is completed now. And now we're pushing it over the top. We've done all the administrative work of how a party's going to operate, how the party's going to function, what the policies are. Uh, these other groups that are, are, are thinking about being a party right now are so far behind us, uh, it, it takes a year to catch up. Um, so now I'll be going out and talking about policy. We're going to be visiting different issues around the province, and that's my job is to get educated on uh, you know what the logging problems are in the north, what the uh, what what the you know I know that there's a real problem with moving cattle back and forth between Alberta and Saskatchewan right now. I don't know how to fix it, but I'm going to go and talk to people who do, and uh, that's what a good politician should be doing. Is okay. We we realize there's a problem, and and uh, we've got some great stuff for farmers. You know that we've passed today uh, about transitioning to the family farm and tax incentives and tax breaks. Uh, to make that process easier again just common sense stuff but when people you know it's it's been around and everybody knows how to fix it but nobody does so so uh, this is going to be a big change for us and, and what's going to end up happening is um, we're not going to be the third party alternative anymore we're going to be the why aren't you why why aren't you voting for Buffalo we want to be the number one choice when people have when they say who you vote for I'm voting for Buffalo because they got a plan and it's published plan it's not a mystery you know like it, it's not uh, gonna be hidden in some corner and nobody knows what we're gonna do we have a plan and we're gonna put it out there and you'll know exactly what we're gonna do and when people look at it they're just like well this is common sense so let's vote for it and let's see what happens right and and uh, you know like I said I want to we'll, we'll turn this province around and, and uh, get this economy rocking and roll and put more money back into people of Saskatchewan's pockets no, fantastic and we've got roughly two years to go until the next election so they're there's time to keep growing and to push it over the top. So, Mr. Zajac, uh, sorry, thank you very much for joining us today on Canadian Common Sense, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me. I love the name, Common Sense. All right, All take right. care. Bye.
Lewis and Tony.